tapes of my accent, which is ironic, really, because when I go back to Los Angeles during the holidays, everyone starts talking like Dick Van Dyke, imitating what they perceive to be my proper English accent. You can't win, really. Standing at the back of the crowd, waiting for my chance to see the list, I pretended not to have heard Georgina's lament and tried to think of something really cutting to say in reply. I rarely actually say the cutting things that I think up in my head, though, because I have discovered that it is better to stay under the radar and keep my witty remarks to myself. Both Georgina and Honey were holding their Louis Vuitton pet carrier bags containing matching super-cute pet rabbits, Arabesque and Claudine. They'd have hated it if they'd known, but I was always stopping by the pet shed to cuddle their rabbits, particularly Georgina's Arabesque who was really adorable and had the sweetest pink eyes and the softest, floppiest ears. Honey's toffee-coloured rabbit, Claudine, was always biting me. No surprises there. I would have loved a rabbit of my own, but one of the things about being an American freak at an English boarding school is that you don't get to have a pet because of the totally cruel quarantine laws. My parents probably saw this as character building, like everything else that depresses me. My parents are big on character. Both my parents are writers in Hollywood. I long to write myself, only not the sort of dreary stuff they write. They think of themselves as really hip and liberal because they say I can call them Sarah and Bob, like I'd ever do that. Besides, they are so not cool. For a start, they drive a Volvo and say things like, Swirl, Dad, and Super, Mum. My mum's a senior staff writer on a crappy soap that doesn't even air in the UK, so no kudos there. My dad is writing The Big One. That's Hollywood speak for a script that will finally make a name for him, but currently brings in no money. They didn't think LA was a place to bring up a teenager. They told all their friends that they were afraid I'd become too Hollywood. They sent me to Le Lycée Francais de Los Angeles when I was a kid, which is where I picked up my fencing problem. But the real reason I was in this hell was because my mum's British and she went to St. Augustine's and she adored it. It'll be super, darling. You'll make friends for life. Just wait and see, she promised me on the flight over three years ago. All I'd come up with in the friend department so far was star. She's the daughter of a rock star who was huge in the 80s, and even though he was mega and is still adored by several million tragic people with bad hair worldwide and is one of the richest men in Britain, Star was too random and unconventional to be accepted at St. Augustine's or to have any kudos like Antoinette did. Antoinette's entire family are famous pop stars. Even though Antoinette was in the year below us, she was considered the trendiest girl in school, unlike Star, who was a total goth with a lot of weird habits. One, wearing only black. Two, fencing. Three, having a freaky extended family. And four, being friends with me. Honey pointed one of her long, French manicured fingers at the list and said, Oh, yeah, but darling, look, it's not just the American freak. Guess who else you've been roomed with? Only her weird friend, Star. Georgina's eyes almost popped out of their long-lashed sockets. Darling, are you serious? I'm so going to get Daddy to complain, she declared loudly as she looked despairingly down the list and held her own perfectly manicured hand to her brow. 
Honestly, I thought, it's a wonder these two don't wear tiaras. Whoops, they do on occasion. This was going to be a great term. My despair at having to share a room with Georgina was somewhat diluted by the thought of Star being in my room too. I had asked to share with Star, but, as Georgina now knew, you don't always get to share with your first choice. Star's my best friend. As I said earlier, she was my only friend, on account of us both being the form freaks. We had bonded the first day of Year 7, my first year at St. Augustine's, in fencing. We spent so many hours alone together in the cell d'armes, practicing, that is, escaping from the other girls, and, in Star's case, fancying Professor Sullivan, our fencing master, that we grew pretty close, especially when we both chose Sabre as our weapon. The other girls were beginners, so had to start on the foil, but because Star and I had been fencing since we were quite young and were showing so much enthusiasm, Professor Sullivan allowed us to advance to Epe and then on to Sabre. Sabre is the most aggressive of the three fencing weapons. It has a really cool full fist guard and a flat cutting blade with a folded off end rather than the tragic looking bobble that you have on foil. Sabras have a bit of a reputation for being a swashbuckling, ruthless lot. In our ignorance, Star and I thought ruthlessness and swashbuckling would be agonizingly chic qualities to foster. But that was before we realised that being Sabras would make us stand out, something that wasn't done at St. Augustine's. Things that make girls stand out, and therefore make them the object of ridicule and derision at St. Augustine's School for Ladies. 1. Not being willowy and not having really long hair, preferably blonde. 2. Not having a title, or at least double-barrelled surname, although using your title was considered tragic. 3. Not owning a massive house in the country and a quite big one in a really smart area of London. 4. Having a spot problem, that is, any spots whatsoever. 5. Being overweight, that is, being of average or above average weight for your height. Note well, even bulimia and anorexia were more status-enhancing than being a chubber. 6. Having unusual amounts of body hair, that is, any. 7. Having a funny accent. That is, any accent that wasn't madly posh and English. 8. Not being asked to be a debutante. That is, be presented to the royal court. Perversely, actually agreeing to be a debutante marked you out as even more uncool than if you hadn't been asked in the first place. 9. Not being attractive enough to pull fit boys, preferably older ones, who then went on to leave messages on your mobile for other girls to listen to. 10. Not being completely obsessive about sweets and fags. 11. Having clothes that no one else would buy, that is, non-designer, like mine. Number 9 was the clincher. Pulling fit, older boys is vital for all girls, but especially for girls who live in an all-girls school, where the ability to pull fit boys confers status like nothing else can. I knew this because of what happened to Octavia, a girl in the year above me. Octavia had very little social cachet and stood out like a sore thumb with her short, dyke hair. She also had this body hair problem. That is, she was covered in the stuff. That had earned her the nickname Pubes. Like me, Octavia had been one of the girls who hid in the cupboard at lunchtime to avoid being confronted by her total lack of friends. Who sits next to whom at lunch says everything about your status at St. Augustine's. 
Then suddenly, after the Christmas break, Octavia was transformed into one of the most popular girls in the school and one of Georgina's best mates, all because she pulled a lower six boy from Eads. Eads College is the madly posh school where the world's grandest boys are educated in privilege and the art of effortless charm. Well, that was how Star puts it. One exit, that's a weekend when you're allowed home, he even came and picked her up on his Ducati motorbike. We never saw her again. You could fail every other test, but developing a reputation for never pulling boys was the end. Like providing the alcohol at social events, pulling boys was always the girl's responsibility, and consequently we talked of little else. When I say we, I mean the cool girls, not me, but the girls I wanted to be like. Failing to share stories about the boys you had pulled was as bad as not sharing your tuck. It was vulgar. Over Easter, I tried to explain the imperative of pulling a boy by the time I was 15, but my parents went totally ballistic about it, as if I'd said I wanted to start having sex. Naively imagining that it would calm them down, I explained what pulling actually meant, that is, kissing and that sort of thing. I mean, hello, they work in Hollywood, for goodness sake. Kissing is PG-13, there. But instead of saying something sensible like, Oh yes, darling, of course we understand. Get on to that pulling business right away. If there's anything we can do to help, just let us know, dear. They delivered this really long dissertation about how you can get mono, glandular fever, from kissing, until eventually I nodded off into my carb-free meal. As an American with parents who have virtually impoverished themselves, in Hollywood terms, not real terms, obviously, I mean, they could still afford to...